This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. I'm not really sure how we topped the last hour, Dave. We should probably just go home. Yeah, let's uh, let's call it quits right now. <laughs> we, we had KJ Wright in studio hanging with us. It was a great conversation with KJ. If you missed any of that, that will be available on the podcast page at seattlesports.com after the show. But he's he's even surprised by how blunt he's been, which I thought was funny. <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> sort of throwing, hey, you said this this one time. Did I say that? Man, I am blunt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and he, he's very honest about uh, about what he what he sees and yeah. what he thinks and yeah so if you guys if you guys missed that definitely check yeah. that out if you're a, a Seahawks fan you want to hear some honest honest opinions on what's going on what should happen with the team uh, KJ was fantastic so seattlesports.com is where you'll find that along with our conversation with uh, our buddy comedian actor Adam Ray who's in studio he was here to do the podcast with with KJ, which is why they were both yeah. in the building, and, and we Rabel. benefit from that. And Steve Rabel, that's yeah. right. Raves was a little worn out by the time he, he was exhausted. We got here. Yeah, he was but, exhausted. He had but, nothing left. You know, I watched the Heat. I had seen the Heat before, and I think it was before I knew that you were friends with him. But okay, with with Adam Ray, right? Yeah, right. But uh, it's Melissa McCarthy. When was that movie made? Sandra Bullock. Oh, Four or five years ago? Uh, maybe a little longer than that. Maybe is 13, that right? 2000, somewhere in there. Wow. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, and I was just like, man, I can't believe it. This guy is incredibly, I mean, he's he's a good actor. Just a, you know, he played a villain. He yeah. was like the, the mob boss or whatever. So, yeah, it was, uh, it, it's, it, and then he's so damn funny. But <laughs> that thing, 2013. The thing he said to me today out there when I, I started telling a story. Please tell me this story gets better. Does this story get better? <laughs> I was like totally jammed up by that. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> it just man. stopped you in your tracks. It's like, wait, are you serious? <laughs> wait, wait, does this get better? <laughs> so, uh, I'm I have to steal that one. I think my favorite thing is when he takes shots at Lefko. Lefko sits back there, pretends he can't hear him because he's working. He's looking at the computer like he's doing right now. <laughs> I mean, do actually have a lot that, of work. That's your move, though. You'll have the headphones on, which we know you can hear, but you'll stare at your computer like I'm not hearing. I'm not hearing what he's saying. He's no, working. I'm just letting him roll. I'm actually working. Mm. Like, there's a lot of work huh? to do back here. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't really appreciate that. Do you, Do you yeah, like how his much? How hard you work back there, Mike? His uh, impression of you. What do you think? Do you think it's good? <laughs> not so good. What do you think? Yeah, it's all right. His Mike Trout's better. I don't think it is. The Mike Trout, didn't you think it kind of changed a little bit? Well, it's so unlike Mike Trout. That's why it's hilarious. Yeah. But well, I mean, he used to put an accent on I thought there was a little French accent yeah, or there something used to, there. He'd go in and out of an accent. It sounded like a French Charles Barkley with Kermit yeah. the Frog mix. But his 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 left co is pretty spot on, dude. I got to say, it's it's pretty solid. But yeah, so check that out on the podcast page after the show as well. SeattleSports.com and any of his uh, day, he gave a bunch of dates. He's got coming. He'll be playing at Climate Pledge Arena coming up yeah. in April. So all the dates will be there at AdamRayComedy.com. I don't think we could have KJ on regularly because I would have to nerd out on linebacker stuff. <laughs> We're talking about attacking double teams and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and then, you know, he's the way he explains it, though, I mean, and for KJ, hopefully, uh, he t- he asked me about coaching. Hopefully for him that he'll find the kind of connection and joy that I found doing this job because you feel like you still get to be around the players at least. That's that's my favorite part whenever we get to talk to the players or, you know, a yeah. guy that just recently played. 
that's to me is it's it's good. It's like being back in the locker room for me. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's it's fun to listen to. It's it's very cool. I know the listeners love it and and uh, really good stuff. So again, one more reminder: if you tuned in late, you didn't catch our conversation with KJ Wright or Adam Ray, they'll both be available on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Now we 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 had a conversation with uh, Chris Langan from Driveline Baseball that created a bit of news because of how how over the top he was about Matt Brash talking about his slider being I think he was do we did we put the cut on here do we have that one Lefko could we play that because it was it was basically talking about what made his slider in his opinion maybe one of the best pitches in the history of baseball and that a lot of people responding to that even Jerry Depoto being asked about it remember yeah. he goes well, history's a long time, so <laughs> you know, history was a long time ago. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's very high price. It's very cool to hear, and it's very interesting. You know what they do at Driveline. But Matt Brash was on the Hot Stove Show last night, and I heard I caught just the very tail end of it. But they were talking to him uh, about that, and and first of all, here he is explaining why he went to Driveline this off season. I went to Driveline after the season. I've always wanted to work with a group that kind of specializes in ball, just to see kind of how my body moves and any improvements I can make with my arsenal and getting stronger and all that. So obviously driveline being in Seattle, I went there after a year and worked with them and they presented this idea that a cutter could really help my arsenal and just another look off my fastball. So I gave it a shot this year. That's kind of why I came down to Arizona early was to work with driveline a little bit. They have a new facility down here and uh, we've been working on my cutter and yeah, I've been throwing it. I think it's a really good offering. It's a lot like my heater. I can just, don't have to do too much with it. It's just a little bit of a different grip. Um, I don't know how much I'm going to use it this year. It's more of an experiment right now, but we're going into some live ABs coming up here with the, with the team. So I'm going to throw it, see how it is. I mean this in a good way. I like that his tone is kind of like it lacks reverence. Like it's not like he's like, oh, man. You know, I mean, this guy, he, he seems, I don't want to say cocky, but he seems very confident. In, him in and Kirby are both kind of. They've got a lot of belief in what they can do. Yeah. And it comes through, not in an area, you're right, not in an, in an arrogant way, but you can just hear it when they speak. Just it's sort of matter of fact about what they do. Right. And, and it gives me the idea that he knows that he belongs here. You know, yeah. and that's, that's, I think, when you, when you finally believe that, truly you think, okay, I'm not a rookie anymore. I'm a significant contributor. That's kind of how that that comes off there. I, I love that. But yeah, there's enough. And next Monday I'll be with um, Ryan Roland Smith. Mm-hmm. I think you, well, I won't even get into your business, Bob. I'm not sure you'll probably do like extra workouts maybe <laughs> during the day. Or I might something. do extra sleeping. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe sleep. Yeah. yeah. But um, by the way, I sent him a text. I go, dude, we're going to talk football on Monday. Okay. <laughs> it's just going to make be him comfortable. Four hour show. Right. Yeah. In his wheelhouse. But he was the one that uh, Ryan Roland Smith that, um, you know, and guy that used to pitch in Major League Baseball, and he was just talking about, I think he used the word sick, about how his slider is and mm-hmm. how the movement on it and how ridiculous it is. And then, you know, you hear it from P- Pete Woodworth, and then you hear it from this kid, uh, Chris Langan, um, who uh, is at Driveline. So, you know, and I, I think <laughs> Jerry tried to put a little bit of a top on it, like, hey, hold on a minute, or put a lid on it, I should say, um, that... Okay, well, let's, you know, let's dial it back a little bit, but doesn't it make it 
so interesting. Like I'm going to be if he's pitching on one of the you know fields that that's the thing every once in a while down at spring training they'll like hey they're doing a mock game over on field four or they're doing this and you know mm-hmm. you can go and watch and a lot of times you can stand right behind you know the, it's like a high school baseball field behind the batting cage yeah, and, yeah you can you can sit right behind that and and watch the movement of his pitch and everything I can't it makes him one of the more intriguing I mean I think Jared Kelnick is a great story um, if he were to just explode and be the guy everybody thought he was, that would be really interesting. But the stuff that's building up about Brash, I'm like, I'm glad to hear that he is confident. Yeah, yeah. And in the cut we were referencing, this is Chris Langan from uh, Driveline when he was on with us. The known things, obviously, are, I mean, I, I think you could pretty realistically say his slider is maybe the best pitch in terms of like pitch movement and velocity. Uh, in like major league history. Like I actually think it's like that uh, absurd how good the stuff of that pitch is. Um, and the curveball is obviously pretty darn good too. It's got a little more depth, so it can kind of be the uh, another option for left-handed hitters. And I'm trying to remember like, okay, first of all, he said it's pretty realistically uh, the most. Yeah, talking about the, the velocity and the, the movement on movement. it, I guess. Yeah, so – and. The difference is the way they measure these things, the way they can grade these things these days with all of the technology. Now, you know, he wasn't, they weren't doing this when Bob Gibson was on the hill. They weren't doing this, you know, even when Nolan Ryan was on the hill or you, you, you know, pick a moment in history with an all time great pitcher. You didn't have sabermetrics. You yeah. didn't have the ability to, you know, talk about spin rate and things like that. So you, you have a different way of judging these days. Yeah. So. Maybe it's the best since this kind of information has been made available. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. You, you know, just think about forty years ago what pitchers were doing in the off season, or fifty years ago even. Yeah. You know, like they're probably, probably just, working another job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Because baseball wouldn't couldn't quite cut it for them. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to to uh, you know just think about how this guy and and I hope it's not. I hope it it's uh you know it comes through and people aren't like ah you know it's not that big of a deal. I mean it's it's been hyped up enough. But again like I said I I like that he has the confidence there because I feel like he feels like he belongs. Yeah, and it, it there was never a question about his stuff. It was just his command. Walks were the problem. He didn't he didn't have that command. He was the polar opposite of George Kirby who walks nobody. Yeah. <laughs> He's got more innings pitched than walks on the season. So he had 25 I think 25 starts, 22 total walks. I mean, he's ridiculous. And then Brash, you know, we talked about it before. He he got the nod initially. He was your your starter, your fifth starter. And then back-to-back games combined, he had 10 walks. Yeah. So, yeah, that that was his stuff is ridiculous. It's just the command. One last one from him, just talking about how they decided on on the cutter and uh, what he what he's hoping to get out of it this season. There's a lot of analytics behind it and all that, and I even don't understand all of it. But basically, from a bullpen standpoint, the cutter wasn't a huge necessity. Um, I can get away with throwing my my three pitches right now. But as a starter on the road, if I ever wanted to go that route, another pitch that's kind of in between my fastball and slider and curveball is what I need to just keep hitters honest on my heater. So my slider obviously has a lot of horizontal movement on it. It sweeps a lot. And same with my curveball. Um, and then my fastball is arm side run. So there's this kind of middle ground that I'm missing for a pitch. So the pitches were almost too far apart movement-wise that when I'm not throwing my slider 90 like I was at the end of the year when it's more like a little bit slower, it's uh, 
hitters I feel like could pick up on it. And that's kind of what they find this middle pitch, which is the cutter. And I throw it a couple miles an hour slower than my fastball. They'll just keep hit- hitters more honest. They'll give them another look, especially the lefties. Yeah, so that, that was the question I was going to ask there is that because I remember Chris Langan said something about he needed kind of a, a bridge yeah. pitch to get from one to the other, and it's the cutter, apparently. It's it's interesting to hear him, a young guy who's just starting out in his pro career, so everybody's dialed into this world of sabermetrics and analytics, and to hear him say, I don't even understand all of the, you know, he's talking about the analytics that are that yeah. are a part of this evaluation, and it, yeah, I don't even understand all of that i mean it it has gotten so in the weeds it is it's it's amazing what they what you know just how granular it's become and evaluating pitches and pitchers and hitters and you know but it's it's a completely different way of uh of analyzing the game that's for sure so uh but he was do you know lefko did they talk about his his uh crazy hand or anything, his, his memory. Oh, the Chris, middle finger? No, yeah. Chris Langham was talking about that with us, and I could have sworn that I, when I was listening, they said something about his grip, and I didn't know if they got into his his finger or whatever's unique about his hand. So, we, well, if we, we can see, ask him when we get down there. Yeah, we'll just say, hey, can you hold your hand up, please? I'd like to see what's going on there with this mm-hmm. crazy grip that makes the ball move the way that it does. So, good stuff out of Matt Brash. Uh, meanwhile, uh, switching to the world of the NFL, we talked a lot about uh, Deron Payne yesterday and, and you know, who who fits, who you'd like to see come over to the Seahawks to really help this defense in, in the way of free agency. And I, I saw this article I sent to you guys, or the blurbs out of it anyway. They, they had the top 50 free agents. They did an article where they identified, in their opinion, the top 50 free agents, and they had them ranked. And the, for each one, they wrote a little paragraph, and they and they wrote best fit. Where does this guy fit best? And a lot of the free agents fit with the team they were already on. They should go back to the team they were on. The one that they brought up is the number three overall, in their opinion, top free agent out there. And it's a name that I think you brought up yesterday. I think you said Bump and Stacy might have been talking about him. But yes. Javon Hargrave, defensive tackle. And they, they wrote best team fit, the Seattle Seahawks. And what they said was Coach Pete Carroll and the Seahawks can upgrade the defensive front with Hargrave adding a disruptive tackle and pass rush juice dave uh the past season uh 11 sacks 37 tackles his pass rush win rate of 17.2 percent when lined up on the interior ranked third overall in the entire league and uh seattle's 33.5 percent pass rush win rate was number 28 yeah last season so basically saying this is a guy who cures a lot of the issues that plague this this defense right now yeah and we have been you know just in love with deron Payne and the idea of that but i, I don't I, I guess i've watched him a little bit more closely than i've watched javon uh, hargrave mm-hmm. but if you look at hargrave first of all you know al woods by the way who's an interior guy he's almost 36 years old and love al but i'm not sure you know how much longer he can you know he can go but um but if you look at Javon Hargrave, I think the thing that might scare people away is his age. He's 30. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you look at his production, he had his best year this last year. Um, and so this is what his – this will be his eighth year. So it's not like he's, you know, he started late. He started mm-hmm. when he was, you know, 20, 22, 23. And he, 11 sacks. The guy really – I mean, and he's he's got – 10 tackles for loss. He's got lots of quarterback hits. So, yeah, he could be another guy 
that they could use as, you know, one of those inside guys that they need in the 3-4. So, yeah, Bump and Stacey were, were talking about him, and I remember thinking at the time, well, why not Deron Payne? Isn't he a little bit better? But then you start looking at his numbers and see what he's done. That's hard to get 11 sacks on the inside. Yeah, and we, we talked about Deron <laughs> Payne. You know, same thing. You're getting double teamed a lot. So, but... You know, what you want to do is you want to get to where, and that's uh, Philadelphia is where uh, Javon Hargrave is, obviously, but um, you want to get to the point where you're like the commanders or you're like Philly, where it's like, who do we double team? Yeah. You know, who are we leaving single here? Because, you know, if you're going to, if you have five five guys, I mean, to block four, you know, and sometimes you got to, that means you got to leave a receiver in, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a running back or a tight end or whatever, um, you know, which which guy do you do you double? And, you know, I think that's not been a problem for opponents for the Seahawks this last year. If you had your choice between those two guys, you go with Payne? Yeah, just because he's a little bit younger. Yeah. What is he, 26? Yeah, I think he's, yeah. 26, 27, something like that. But I but. just kind of lost my fire after we talked to our, our guy from, from Washington uh, who made it sound – he didn't – I mean, listen, he's just expressing an opinion, but his belief is they're going to franchise tag. Right, which so, I think it was like 18.9. Yeah, yeah. So I was – that, that kind of put my fire out a little bit like, oh – Really? Yeah. Everything made it sound like they they can't because of everything they've got invested on that line, and they've got to pay this guy. They got to pay Sweat. They got to pay Young. They got to. So I don't know. We'll see. It doesn't mean it's it's accurate, but he he seemed fairly certain in his uh, his assessment of the situation that it feels like yeah they're probably going to franchise tag him and keep him there in Washington. Well, and that's one of those things that obviously he doesn't know exactly what's right. going on, but he's got a feel for it, and you know some of the language, some of the things that are being said. It's kind of like how we feel about Gino. You know, we mm-hmm. kind of talked about that a little bit. That it kind of sounds like yeah. He, he he might be here. It's you know certain people say enough, then you know you you get that uh, it's probably going to become a reality. But he was number five, by the way. Yeah, the top fifty free agents Javon. on this list. No, uh, Javon was three. Gino's five. Oh, Gene. Oh, right. And they That's put right. best fit Seahawks. Yeah. I like those two things. They like the way Geno fits with the Seahawks. Yeah. They think that's his best fit on that <laughs> list. So it was, it's an interesting list. Again, it's somebody's opinion looking at the, their opinion of the top 50 free agents and their opinion of where these guys fit the best. So an interesting read that was on uh, ESPN that, that we saw last night. But it was that's a name we hadn't talked a lot about. You brought it up yesterday, and then I thought it was interesting in reading that last night. Like, oh, hey, there he is. Number three overall in their opinion, and Seahawks are the best fit. There you go. Javon Hargrave, nickname. On Pro Football Reference, Grave Digger. Oh, I like that. There you go. Sounds like, like a wrestler that. or something. It does. <laughs> All right, coming up, Ty France revealed something that greatly affected his 2022 season. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I can't wait to be out there at spring training. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to have a great time down there. It's, um, yeah, we're all prepared to go in 2020. Yeah. The pandemic hit. Had the right gear, had the right shirts. You had still the... have your Pablo Cruz shirt? <laughs> I don't know if I still have it. It was so it was small. Like small. <laughs> well, the, the company I ordered it from, like I ordered a double XL Mountain Dew shirt. Yeah. And it was like, Super tight on my <laughs> on my guns. Yeah, yeah. Stop all the calling work. them your guns. <laughs> you only have a limited amount of time to sculpt your guns. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, My but, Latavius yeah. Dorsi. <laughs> yeah. It's boring, but yeah, I got to do it. Um, we can't wait to get out there. And well, uh, Ty France is a guy that I'm excited to see because he he's just a guy that you never worried about. You just he's just quietly super consistent. All he does is hit. That's all he does. And then last year. Things changed for him, and he, and he was dealing with, uh, you know, he got he got dinged up, and you started to wonder, all right, is this having an impact on what we're seeing from him? Because if you remember the first half of the season, he was one player, which was great. Second yeah. half of the season, the injuries, he came back, and, man, he started chasing pitches and swinging at pitches. He, that was part of his game that you, you really admired or appreciated is his discipline up at the plate and that he would use the entire field. Like, you had to play him straight up. You wouldn't put a shift on tight France and because he'll hit it where you you throw him low and away, he's going to take the pitch outside, he's going to go to right field with it. You pitch him in, he's going to pull it, he's going to go. He's just he's just a wizard up there. But then you, you saw him chasing and swinging at pitches that were way out of the strike zone and just like, what what is going on here? What is, you know, is this just pressure or expectation getting to him or what is, what is happening out there? Well, he was speaking with the media and talking about the second half of the season and, and sort of talking about what was happening during that time. Yeah, you know, I think it, it stemmed from that that play in Oakland where the uh, noisy took my arm out. Um, you know, it, there was still some lingering to it, and then I started manipulating my swing to try and avoid you know any pain or anything like that. So just created bad habits and kind of got away from my swing. So I think that was the biggest thing, and then wasn't getting the results that I wanted. So it was chasing hits, swinging at bad pitches. So it was just an accumulation of things. It was good to hear that, number one, well, first of all, every time that we talk about his injury down in Oakland, whoever the um, home plate umpire is, this is one time I did not enjoy complaining about complaining it. about it because he, uh, Noisy, was out on mm-hmm. called strikes. It was a ridiculous miss. So that whole thing should have never even happened. But it did. And then, you know, you saw the way, the awkward way. And it, it was kind of weird how I thought, based on what we saw, I thought he came back way too fast. I was yeah. like, wow, he can't be right after that. I mean, your elbow going the different different direction than it's meant to go. Um, yeah, I felt like it was going to be more trouble. So I guess it, I think the good news is is that it was something physical. Yeah. Yeah. And it, well, and then it became something mental in the terms of him pressing or, you know, he's trying to compensate. Right. He's trying to, you know, make up for what's not happening out there. And then you saw it. Like, like you look at his numbers in August. Yeah. He hit 176. I can't believe that. 176 with a 226 on base in the month of August. And then you look at September, it got better, but it's not Ty France. 257, 301 on base. I mean, those just aren't in, in then just a handful of games in, in October, 235, 316. That's yeah. not Ty France. You look at him at the beginning of the year, how he started out. I mean, he was he was Ty France, the all-star, 337, 411 on base in April. In May, 355, 427 on base. And then, you know, these injuries pile up, and then he's, he's, he's trying to overcompensate, and you know about that better than anybody now maybe it doesn't show up as much in the game of football because you you know you can if a, your arms hurting you can do different things to make that tackle or make a hit but you know just trying to compensate for something that's lacking whether it's a leg an arm whatever's going on in football I think you you probably can relate to what he's talking about there yeah the only thing I'd say though is that there's so many different ways you can 
play football. You right. know, like you can get it done. I mean, well, like KJ said, if you can run, yeah. you can play. It's funny. <laughs> I was just thinking that in my head that, you know, if, if you, but that's not the case. I mean, this is like a, like a golf swing, yeah. you know, it's highly technical. And so if you can't get that part of it done, then, and that's why I say, I think it's, it's good news that, that it was something physical. Now it sucked that he got, that he got hurt and the whole thing shouldn't have happened, but Still, at least you know there's a reason why. Yeah. It's yeah. not like he all of a sudden got in his head and, you know, there's there's lots of reasons why. And, you know, look, he didn't say anything at the time because you just don't. Yeah. You know? He's but, a tough guy. Yeah, exactly. You just and, – and the other thing is I think some players think that you speak it into existence. You don't even want to recognize that – you know, whatever. Just whatever denial is. is strong. Just, I'm fine. I'm yeah, not hurt. I'm good. Yep. Good to go. Because <laughs> you don't want to go up there and go, well, my arm's bothering me. And I, you know, so yeah, like you said, tough guy. And, you know, you look at the, the first few months. I mean, like you said, 337. Look at his on base. Yeah. 427. Ugh. 411. And, you know, that's, he gets back to what. Shannon Dreher, shout out to Shannon Dreher. She'll be hosting us down there mm-hmm. at the the VRBO or whatever. Um, remember, she used to say, he just hits. Yeah. Ty France just hits. Or and gets hit. You know, one of that those. That, too. We forgot <laughs> yeah. about that part. He's gotta, maybe they could cut down on that. I don't. He's he's certainly not afraid of the ball, but uh, I'd like to see him get plunked a few fewer times. Uh, one more from him, though. It wasn't just the elbow there. He suffered his wrist was part of the equation, too, and here he is talking about that. It was the same injury. Oh. Um, it happened on the same play, but when it first happened, um, a lot of the pain was just in my elbow, so that was the main focus. We just wanted to mm-hmm. try and clean that up, and hopefully every, the rest would take care of itself. But once that got cleaned up, um, you know, my wrist was taking the brunt of it. So um, it was the same injury. Um, did, did what we could to, yeah. to maintain and you know push through the rest of the right. season, but if I feel good now. It's good yeah. to hear. He feels good now. So it was an elbow. It was a wrist. He was, you know, and, and listen, respect to him for getting out there. And the team, I think he, anybody in that lineup is aware of what that lineup is and more importantly, what it isn't or was not at that particular time. You just you couldn't afford to not have him in there. If he was able to go, he's gotten it out. That's not a long lineup. It wasn't a great offense even last year. So he's desperately needed. He sees that and despite – clearly not being close to 100%, trying to do what he could do out there. And I've got a lot of respect for that. Yeah, I think everybody is thinking that same thing, that, you know, you don't, you don't, and that's why he didn't bring it up. But, you know, it's interesting, it goes from the elbow, and then all of a sudden you're overcompensating, and it's the wrist. I mean, like I said, it's such a highly technical movement there. It's... It's not the same as football, you know, like KJ. I'm totally with KJ, though, if you can run. that's I've not heard anybody put it that way, but, you know, sort of the same type of thing like come on suck it up but you know ty france wasn't complaining about it and remember d gordon he came back the next he had like a a year where he was on and off the injury list and remember the next year he comes back and goes my feet were on fire last year like mm-hmm. you didn't even know about that it's kind of like the hockey guys right uh, they don't say anything till the end of the season yeah, it's just lower, yeah. what is it, lower body injury, upper yeah, body injury? Lower is leg it? or whatever. They don't lower even leg. say leg. Is I there don't an think. upper leg? Th- upper is, leg is just the thigh. Lower, it's just lower and upper body. Yeah. They don't even specify the limb. You could have a broken leg. It would just 
Yeah. Upper or lower. Upper or lower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, I admire the guys that don't sit there and bring up the injury. And I, I think also there's a, a side of it, if you're a competitor, uh, you don't even want it, like I said, speak it into existence, but you don't want to make that excuse. You you just want to be like, hey, I should be able to deal with this. But in reality, for, for Ty France, it just, just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. 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 Kudos for trying to gut through it. Again, a team that desperately needed your bat in the lineup. And good to hear. It is a relief to hear that, yeah, he was hurt, which is a weird thing to say, that it wasn't just, man, this just, this guy got so far out of his his routine and his approach, and he was just all over the place for no other reason other than it's he got out of his head. That that would make me worried about the future. Like, all right, well, he's yeah. everybody's going to slump in baseball. It's going to happen at some point. How is he going to respond to that? Well, I, th- I feel much better knowing, well, that was in relation to the injuries and trying to compensate. So, Well, and his slump is, you know, 231, 235 uh, one month, uh, 257 in the, the month of September. So it's like, yeah, that's not Ty France numbers, but it's not like below 200. Listen, if, uh, if Kelnick puts up those numbers, we're all going to be very happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Coming up, Tariq Woolen has an interesting way to describe one former Seahawk. You're going to hear that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. Well, we know uh, everyone has a podcast these days, and Tariq Woolen was on something called uh, Two Up, Two Down. That's the name of the podcast, and he talked about his first experience seeing Russell Wilson in person, and uh, Woolen wasn't exactly impressed. Seeing him in person, it was pretty funny, because like, on TV and stuff, you see him like like from college and stuff, you're like, okay, he's looking shape on TV. But you see him in person, it's like weird. He like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, he might be out of shape. He just might be out of shape. But the crazy thing, he's yeah, athletic. Yeah, yeah. Like, he like, like, but but yeah. he he athletic and he a good player. But like, literally, when I seen him, I'm like, dang, I ain't know he was built like that. And he was short. You know, I'm tall anyway, but I was like, damn, he that short. Was he like 5'8", 5'9"? He's like 5'9". You know what? I, it's getting shorter by the year. What's he about five seven, five seven and a half? I could listen to him say anything. <laughs> the way he talks, it's kind of a lazy, kind of cool like together. just chill. Yeah. I saw him look like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> so sack of potatoes. Yeah, I just the the cadence and the way that he talks. Uh, I just like you could get him to. Read a recipe book, and I would like I, I would be, listen to it. You just sit in front of him, cross-legged, like it's story time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Russ has been known to get out of shape a little bit. I mean, in the off season, but I mean, I guess that's that's probably the uh, the case with. I know it was for me. I would take a couple, maybe a month off. Sometimes. Need mac and cheese. Yeah, and if you're not working out, those things can... And then I thought, you know, uh, for dessert at night, I would eat like a big bowl of cereal, thinking that's better than ice cream, right? Yeah. Eh, not really. <laughs> no. I put on, put on some weight. Sweeping the dial. So now we know Dave looked like a sack of potatoes in the offseason. <laughs> a right. big sack a big of sack of potatoes. All right, well, Dave, uh, Derek Carr visited the Jets over the weekend. He's taking his time visiting all these places. And ESPN's Diana Rossini has some details on how the trip went, including how the Jets tried to really, really hype him up. In terms of what New York was trying to sell him, because let's face it, that's what they're doing at this point. They were pretty clear with them. They, they told him he's a great quarterback. They believe that he's got a legit surrounding 
cast of players. They went through the top D, the strong young skill guys, the explosive run game. They went through top to bottom of why Derek Carr can step in here and take this team not just to the playoffs, but to the Super Bowl. And they made it really personal, too. They said, we believe if you come to New York and win, you could be a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? So they went full in on Derek Carr here to let him know they really want him to play for the New York Jets. Goodness, why are they going to lie to the kid like that? First ballot Hall of Famer. We've been as supportive of him as anybody who's not a fan of the team. Just looking from afar, you look at the numbers and they look, he's a good quarterback. First ballot Hall of Famer just because you win in New York. I don't. Well, uh, apparently, don't if you're a Jet, you know, I guess you get special as far as voting goes uh, for anything. Fair point. You know, fair like point. Sauce Gardner. By the way, well, <laughs> so, offensive rookie of the year was more of a travesty. Yeah, yeah. But the, the other, the other thing is, if you look at um, the one thing we're starting to hear, by the way, to put that to bed was is that Sauce Gardner might have been the best corner in the league last year and how crazy is that as a rookie at that spot it's amazing being yeah. good is one thing we've but, seen good before but to, to have somebody and it's again subjective but to have somebody legitimately say he was the best in the league at that position and he's a rookie yeah and it came from schneider Jeez. so but uh but my point is is that you know their defense was really good um you know, you that's a good place for Derek Carr. I, I oh, would yeah. be happy for him, actually. I would, I feel like he's one of those guys that, um, I I don't know, I, he seems to have kind of gotten the, the raw end of the deal. And, like, if you put him in the right place, they, they maybe he's a guy that can, can turn the Jets around pretty quickly because that's a good team built around him. Maybe he's like Stafford, you know, put up yeah. decent numbers on a bad team. and Well, he's very much like Stafford because we've talked about Stafford, you know, before – Derek Carr, that's the guy that we would talk about that, I mean, is he good? Can he win a championship? What kind of guy really is he? And But he has got good numbers. He just mm. hasn't won. That's exactly uh, Carr. Sweeping the dial. You guys have talked about how linebacker is a need. KJ talked about with you guys how linebacker needs to really improve. And we had Greg Allman on yesterday who explained why Levante David might want to play for another team after spending his entire career in Tampa. Yeah, uh, probably not where he was five years ago. But I think he'd say that promotes 33-year-old linebackers. Um, I mean, the closest parallel is probably Bobby Wagner. I mean, in terms of a guy that you know wants to show he still has it after a long run with one team. You know, Bucks are in tough position from a salary cap standpoint. So, you know, he made twelve five a year on his last contract. I don't know that they can pay him that. So it's going to be a matter of whether he wants to, you know, finish his team with, you know, finish his career with one team or, or whether he wants to get the most money he can. You know, it's funny. I was all on board of, hey, this guy's going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer for life. He's mm-hmm. going to be one of those guys that signs on. The one thing that that I would point out about Levante David is that he's willing to play for not premium dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his stats, the way he plays, everything is very comparable to Bobby Wagner. And I remember one year, and he mm-hmm. said... Some better than... He's, yeah, and he said that... Uh, um, Greg Allman did, anyway, that there was like a $10 million... I remember him making nine. I remember him making $9 million a year the year that Bobby was making eighteen, mm-hmm. And... Uh, he was similar stats, 
I would argue a better linebacker as far as attacking the line of scrimmage and things like that. So I was uh, I was pleased to hear that maybe he wants to go and do like Bobby Wagner, go somewhere else and do it with a different team. What I, do you think about him? Because he started out that cut, and I think we asked him, where is he at now? He's 33 years old. Yeah. Where is he at? And then he said, well, he's probably not like he was five years ago, right. which is an obvious statement, I guess. But is he a guy you look at? And I don't know how much you watch him week in, week out. Where you see, okay, he's he's not quite there, but he's still a guy that's you'd love to have on the roster at the right price. Yeah, I don't, I don't really. I obviously haven't watched that much of him, but every time there's a Tampa Bay game on, I'm watching him. I'm watching uh, Devin White, and I don't really see it. Um, I don't. He's not had a lot of injuries. I think I had his stats the other day. Mm-hmm. Like he missed five games. Yeah, some in nine years. Very few. Yeah, so I, I like him, and I think maybe you can get him for ten million bucks. You know, on a prove it deal or a one year deal. Boy, I'd like a ten million dollar prove it deal. Would you? <laughs> well, if you can go out there and uh, play linebacker, Bob. I watched him one time. And this was like only two years ago, where he just sprints to the edge from his middle linebacker spot and just throws his body into the tackle, knocks him down, totally disrupts the play, and then Devin White comes over and makes a tackle for a loss. So, like, he, he'll he do anything. Setting up his teammate. Totally. So, yeah, I love that about him. And, again, like we talked about with KJ, you know, uh, Jordan Brooks, I think, is going to be back. I don't think we need to worry about it, but right now... You just never know. You just never know. And that's yeah. you don't want to take that chance when we don't know about Cody Barton. It's very iffy. And then after that, it drops off a bit. No offense to those guys, but right yeah. now, they're backups. Maybe they play their way into being starters in the league. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with John Radigan and Tanner Muse and Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> Jefferson Jackson. Yeah, was it is Jackson? it Jones? What no. is it? This is, is his last name. You've said Hamilton so much. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's stuck in my head. I think it's Loach. <laughs> it's Jeez. All right. All right. Well, anyway. Uh, if, you, if you think of it, let us know. The drop-off is... Dave is polluting our mind with misinformation. <laughs> I'm a misinformer. Coming up, uh, we are just days away from the Mariners' first spring training game, and John Morosi is going to join us next to talk about Mariners and everything else going on. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.